Well, welcome back to A Voice in the Distance Ministries. And if you have a Bible with you, let's uh, go ahead and turn to Exodus chapter 18 today. And uh, I love this chapter. I, I love every chapter, but you know, there's certain chapters that really just really speak to you. And this is really going to speak to you in, well, every aspect, but especially if you're involved in ministry of any kind. Now, some people think to themselves that... What is my ministry? Because I go to church, I, I do this, I, I, I'm involved maybe in some form of uh, activities sometimes that might, that might be involved with a ministry, but a lot of people would ask, what is my ministry? You know, I, I don't possess the talents. I mean, people think that uh, the ministry is, is involved in, in being in pastoral teaching or, or maybe a worship leader, but I'm not musically inclined. Well... If there's any advice that I could give you from somebody who's been involved in ministry within, within the church and within outside of the church, that as long as you have children under your roof, or as long as you have children, period, that should never have to be a question that we would ask, is what is my ministry? Because that is your ministry. Maybe you have grandchildren. That is your ministry. It could be anything. And so that question should never have to be asked. And so Moses is going to be given advice on ministry today, as we were as we're going to read. And I got to say, you know, this was the establishment of what we're looking at in Exodus chapter 18. This was really the establishment of the ministry, if you think about it, in the form of public ministry. For 400 years, the Jews were were enslaved in Egypt. And so we don't know exactly what what their relationship with God was. We don't know exactly what they were allowed to do in the form of ministry because they were slaves seven days a week. And the, the Pharaoh refused to let them go and worship their God. So they were forced to, to live in the land day by day and, and to do their work. There was no relationship with God. So during this time, Moses is now being an established uh, leadership uh, minister. And so we took, a, we took a look at chapter 17, you know, as God provided for them. It was an interesting chapter. It was a small chapter, but, you know, the things that they had to face in, in their travels was, was pretty, uh, was pretty uh, harsh, if you think about it. You know, we today in our day and age wonder exactly you know uh gosh you know what are we going to eat today <laughs> um we we don't have to worry about that stuff nowadays because we have access right at our at our hands at times some some countries unfortunately not so much but you see here in, in chapter 17 they were traveling through a desert okay god was providing manna and quail from the sky daily but what about the water I mean, how much of a watering hole can you find? How much of an oasis can you find in a desert that's going to fulfill about 2 million people in travel? Well, it just so happened that there was a large rock. And, and Moses was to basically tap the rock and, and, and speak to the rock and water would come out. And I mean, I'm talking this had to have been enough water to, to, uh, to quench the thirst of a couple million people. But God provided and then they had their first uh, their first uh, official physical war against a, a very vicious and wicked group of people called the Amalekites, which became a sworn enemy of the Israelites for many years. Well, they they were uh, they were defeated by the by the Israelites. The the um, 
the untrained, if you will, Israelites. Because they relied on the power of God to get them through. And, and they made it. So with that, we're going to see... Uh, we're going to see uh, some some peace in the land for a little bit here, and we're going to observe some wonderful advice that I think that we need to look at from this day and age to, from time to time. Because you know we forget, we forget that you know one man, one woman can only do so much. Okay, we're, we're not God. God did everything. Okay, God created the earth and the heavens, the universe. He didn't do it with the help of angels. He didn't do it with the help of, uh, you know, of other things. It said that he did it. He spoke it into existence. And so with that, we observe the reliance on him, on, on who could do all. All things done by him, right? And, and so, but we're going to see some wonderful advice here and, and that was given to Moses that will be carried out and that will be ordained by God through the instructions of God. So if you have your Bible, uh, Turn to Exodus chapter 18. If not, I'm going to read it to you as always. Uh, so that way, wherever you're at, <laughs> no Bible with you. Uh, nowadays, you can get it on your phone, but you know you might be traveling. So listen along as I uh, start off in verse 1 through 6. It says, In Jethro, the priest of Midian, Moses' father-in-law, heard all that God had done for Moses and for Israel, his people, that the Lord had brought Israel out of Egypt. And then Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, took Zipporah, Moses' wife, after that he had sent her back with her two sons, of whom the name of one was Gershom, for he said, I have been a stranger in a foreign land. And the name of the other was Eliezer, for he had said, uh, the God of my father was my help and delivered me from the sword of Pharaoh. And Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, came to his sons and his wife to Moses in the wilderness where he was encamped at the mountain of God. And now he said to Moses, I, your father-in-law Jethro, am coming to you with your wife and her two sons. So it's been a while. It's been a while since we've heard about Moses' wife and children with his, with his father-in-law as well, who actually received Moses into their home after rescuing uh, his daughters from some abusive shepherds in the desert when Moses had escaped the Egyptian kingdom. See, the hand of God led Moses here after being raised as an Egyptian. He had to start a new life in very humble settings, right? Because Jethro, the father-in-law, was a priest of Midian, and that would most likely be a descendant of Abraham through one of his children. Because God himself called Abraham a friend. Right? And how amazing is that? That God actually called Abraham an actual friend. Abraham is my friend. So Jethro was one who obviously knew the true God. But now during the time of the plagues, during the time of the Red Sea crossing, it would look as if Moses' family was not with them in the event. Uh, they most likely stayed behind at their home until now that the battle was over with the Amalekites. I'd do the same exact thing. I wouldn't want my children around <laughs> or my wife. Um, <clears throat> but Moses was was the, the called leader to lead them through. And, and I mentioned the hand of God in this move to Moses and, and Jethro because we can see that there was a special relationship that they had with one another. You know, Moses had time with a family. And not just a family, but also a priest as a father figure versus a pharaoh who was wicked. And Moses had his first round of training as a leader, taking care of sheep for 40 years. That's what he was doing after um, he moved into the household. For 40 years, he was a sheep herder. But most, but most importantly, he lived in a household of love instead of prestige. 
And only through God could Moses mess up by committing murder to an Egyptian and then trying to bury him unknowingly would find mercy and grace in his life. See, I, I never commend dropping the ball, nor will I ever commend doing things of unthinkable sins in life in order to test that grace, or in some people's case, try to build a personal testimony. But I am personally glad that Moses did, because through this, uh, through this event, we see what God will do. You know, never, never test the grace and mercy of God. But by all means, receive it when it's offered, because it's unmerited favor in what we do not deserve. Now, Moses will experience that at the end of his life, but we will wait for that when we get there. I don't want to give too many spoilers. But if, if you have been observing the Bible from the beginning to the end, and we can see the, the favor of God is on those who have been closest to him, right? Closest to him in their stories and, and walks in life. You know, they, they may have differed from time to time, but the end results were always in the blessings of God. Moses was reunited with his family, and, and that was by God, okay? Because uniting was the work of God in every sense. When we have caused a split, okay, when we ourselves have caused a split, there's a sense of joy like no other when we reunite with those we love. But, but God help us to never be in the place of a cause for division. Because God himself may separate people for his good reasons, but God is the one that I would request to stitch up what we ended up having to cut, I look, there's some good doctors out there that could stitch a wound and leave no scars, but, but God could do it better. And we will see some advice from the wiser father-in-law of Moses. So let's go ahead and see what is said, because there are things that we can learn from. Okay, this was thousands of years ago, but hey, we could learn, we could learn some valuable lessons that we have obviously forgotten about as we observe verses 7 through 12. So Moses went out to meet his father-in-law and bowed down and kissed him and they asked each other about their well-being and they went into the tent. And Moses told his father-in-law all that the Lord had done to, uh, to Pharaoh and to the Egyptians for Israel's sake. All the hardship that had come upon them on the way and how the Lord had delivered them. And then Jethro rejoiced for all the good when, uh, which the Lord had done for Israel whom he had delivered out of the hand of the Egyptians. And Jethro said, Blessed be the Lord who has delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of Pharaoh, and who has delivered the people from under the hand of the Egyptians. Now I know that the Lord is, a, is greater than all the gods, for in the very thing in which they behaved proudly, he was above them. And then Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, took a burnt offering and other sacrifices to offer to God. And Aaron came with all the elders of Israel to eat bread with Moses' father-in-law before God. You know, Moses got to be the witness of God, even to his father-in-law, who was a priest. Now, we do not know what Jethro taught, or even how he worshipped God while in the same household with Moses when Moses was living with him. But Moses was called, uh, he was the one called to speak of what God did while being a part of it. Though he was a priest... Right? Though he was a priest, he got to be closer to God through Moses because dealing with relatives through the power and love of God can be hard, but, not, but only the power of God will prevail in winning those over. It's not anything I myself or anyone else can do. And, and it is a blessing to see the, the, the relationship Moses had with Jethro because there was a relationship like that of someone closest to you, right? Uh, because a lot of times we're asked, how, how did everything go? 
And we at times will just say, well, it was fine and leave it from there, right? Well, Moses was able to be honest with the whole journey. You know, God was amazing. He turned the Nile and he turned the Nile River into blood. You know, he brought frogs into the land. He caused darkness in the land. He, he sent an angel to kill the firstborn male of anyone who was not of God. Well, we had the crossing of the Red Sea. That was amazing, right? But Moses spoke of the hardship, right? That these people have been pretty harsh to me when things didn't go the way they thought or, or thought or hoped. So what this was, it was a debriefing session of what the ministry was was like for him at the time. But he was able to spend that quality time with his father-in-law, right? This was a wonderful opportunity to speak of the Lord and, and his glory. See, may God help us all to have that time with those around us, those in our family, our friends, to have that experience Right? Because look at what God did. He allowed me to experience this. He delivered me, right? That's what Moses was saying. And when God is involved, the reunion turns into a celebration. Why? Because they did a burnt offering. They did a burnt offering to God, giving him the glory first. Okay. Second, they celebrated as a congregation. Uh, God will eventually establish feasts throughout the year. Okay, And, and sem- seven feasts will be ordained by God. Because each feast will represent, uh, was a representation of what God did out of those uh, seven ordained feasts. But some people throw parties. But God is the party. He's the life of the party. He's the true guest of honor. And, uh, you know, you look at the Jewish people. They celebrate these feasts to this day. And if you're not Jewish, it was not required to be celebrated. But God allows all to come if they want to celebrate and we do, because God delivers us, and we should celebrate all things in Him. But I thought it was pretty neat that God would God said, you know, if you're not of the nation, you're not required to celebrate it, but you're more than welcome to if you want to observe these things. Because while we're here, recognize and reflect on the glory of our Lord, that He does for us, unknowingly, protecting or guiding, and most of all, you know, know He knows that we will be with Him one day. That's the, that's the most important thing, is knowing that we will be with Him one day. And our celebration is daily in praise and worship, right? Because he is watching and he's joyous when we do praise him. And he is with us in that priceless time. Because time is important in all lives. But it's especially in the life of a believer because we have much to look forward to. And he is observing us more so than we do him. Because we need to observe him more and more in order to know the glory of the Lord. So we uh, continue to take a look here at verses 13 to 20. And so it was on the next day that Moses sat to judge the people, and the people stood before Moses from morning until evening. So when Moses' father-in-law saw all that he had did for the people, he said, what is, this, um, what is this thing that you are doing for the people? Why do you alone sit and all the people stand before you from morning until evening? And Moses said to his father-in-law, because the people come to me to inquire of God. And when they have a difficulty, they come to me. And I judge between one another, and I make known the statutes of God and his laws. So Moses' father-in-law said to him, the thing that you do is not good. Both you and these people who are with you will surely wear yourselves out. For this thing is too much for you. You are not able to perform it by yourself. Now listen to my voice. I will give you counsel, and God will be with you. Stand before God for the people, so that you may bring the difficulties to God. 
And you shall teach them the statutes of the laws and, and show them the way in which they must walk and work uh, and, and the work that they must do. <clears throat> so I, as I mentioned before, you know, if you've ever been involved in a church or a ministry, you will have some idea of what this conversation is gearing toward. Now, what most could not comprehend was that Moses was leading around two million people. One man dealing with that many people and traveling in a desert versus being in a church building is a whole other story. Uh, Yes, Moses was the one that God was speaking to at the time. But he probably was not thinking about, uh, was the future, uh, he wasn't thinking about the future as well, that one day that he would pass away and that someone would have to carry that torch of leadership. Jethro was right. Okay, teach them the word and, and ways of God. Because if that isn't being done, then what a disservice to the people and to the future society. Moses would heed the advice of his father-in-law. Because he showed, he showed that he was moldable and, and not arrogant. He, he could have said, well, I was chosen. It was me that God spoke to in person, not, any well, not anyone else. So I'm the only one. Well, he didn't. Because there are many, there are many who want to be a preeminent figure, okay? If my fingerprints aren't all over the ministry, then it's going to go down. Well, unfortunately with some people, their fingerprints that was on it was the reason it did go down, and we see that. We see that, that Jethro spoke in godly wisdom. God created the earth, the heaven, and the universe. He created mankind. He didn't need the help, yet he created angels, And he used us on earth to do the work of God because we are allowed to be of use and it's an absolute privilege to do so. And and having a team of the right people by your side is vital. And and what is more vital is that they are are like-minded with the Lord and not so much like-minded with you or I or anyone else, but like-minded with him, like-minded with the Lord and the heavenly things. Because I will give a future spoiler, okay, that we're coming up to pretty soon. Moses will be directed to raise up 70 elders or leaders in the help of training and leading. And God knows the numbers that's needed. Because the number seven is a biblical number of completion. So timing that ten times would be sufficient. (laughs) But we, we let God choose, right? We let God choose and raise up those who are right in the positions to put in. Many have chosen numbers of what they think is good or, 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 or not in the ministry. Okay? Because the, the Lord Jesus said in the Gospels that the harvest is plenty, but the laborers are few. And I've heard some say that, well, my outlook is that if you have this many number of people, then you should do this. Uh, yet it may, not be, it may not be what God wants or has in store. And seeking him, as Moses was instructed, is always best, right? Teach them the statutes and laws. Show them in how they should walk, he said. And, and, this is, and that is why God chose him. And why he chooses us, because we never want to compromise. We never want to compromise the choosing of godly leaders, because they are not just dealing with your life, they're dealing with eternal things. Your eternal, uh, and my eternal uh, being, if you will. Teaching with passion. And most of all, teaching with accuracy. Praying on your behalf and loving you in truth. Being there to counsel and walk through the fires of life with you are the things to know that you are in good company with. 
Never on the basis of popularity, because Satan, (laughs) Satan had popularity. And that popularity caused a third of heaven to get kicked out, uh, to get kicked out with him due to his false popularity. Well, let's go ahead and see what else is said here, because, you know, it just keeps getting a little better and better as you carry on. Verse 21 through 27. Moreover, you shall select from all the people able men, such as fear God, men of truth, hating covetousness, and place such over them to be rulers of thousands, rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifties, and rulers of tens. And let them judge the people at all times. And then it'll be that every great matter that they shall bring to you, but every small matter they themselves shall judge. So it will be easier for you, for they will bear the burden with you. If you do these things, and God so commands you, then you will be able to endure, and all this people will also go to their place in peace. So Moses heeded the voice of his father-in-law, and did all that he had said. And Moses chose able men out of Israel, and, and made them heads over the rulers. People, the rulers of thousands, rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifties, and rulers of tens. So they judged the people at all times. The hard cases they brought to Moses, but they judged every small case themselves. Then Moses let his father-in-law depart, and he went his way to his own land. I was studying and and rereading this passage, and I highlighted this in my Bible, in the instruction of assembling the right leadership. Because this was the first form of instruction on who to choose and why. You know, Exodus really establishes a lot of the things of what and why we do in service to the Lord. Because Moses probably wondered, well, gosh, who do, who do I choose? And, and you know, by the guidance of the Lord first, and then second, you see the life of those around you. Too often we want those who, are, who might be our closest friends or maybe some relative, right? Building a kingdom of protection by those who will be on your side to back us up when we make selfish decisions or show falsehood. Because we know deep down that they will stand up for us. Well, not in the holy and righteous eyes of God will that ever fly. You know, because Jethro said, look at here, men of truth, uh, hating covetousness. covetousness. What a good couple of standards to have, because if we're of truth, then we are of God. If we're hating covetousness, it's good, because the devil coveted God, and by that he was cast out of heaven. Now, these were attributes to look for. Nowhere do we ever see that it said in here, you need to find men of perfection. Men of perfection are to be found in the ministry, but those who who seek the ways of the Lord are, are what you want. Not our closest friends, and not our golf buddies or our relatives, because you know my, I myself and many others have seen that, and it, and it went downhill big time. And when we look at the choosing of the disciples, when Jesus was now establishing the church, Many different types of guys from many walks and professions and demeanors came into the picture. But when they were with the Lord, they became one. When he came into the fold, the fold became the same. I've said it before, every sheep folds different, but but whenever he enters the fold, everything becomes one. It all becomes the same. 
And we could look at later on in the pastoral epistles of the New Testament books of, of First and Second Timothy, uh, the book of Titus. You know, he gave the standards of the leadership qualities for the church. And, and we look at the disciples and say, well, gosh, some of them were questionable on how and why they were chosen. But, you know, you see, there's people out there that see problems, but the Lord sees potential. And one who loves the Lord first over all things or all people will be a wonderful candidate to serve the Lord. And through the Lord and what he wants and thinks will give the gifts and talents accordingly. Many people out there, we, we all have uh, things in life. Right? We all have dreams or goals. It may be in that of a professional career. It might be in music or acting. Something big in the eyes of the world. Something, you know, the fame and the prestige. But serving the Lord, serving the Lord is the greatest fulfillment. And I'll tell you why. Everything that we do for the Lord is never forgotten. And will always be honored by the Lord when done in truth. See, all those Academy Award winners, all of those Music Hall of Fame winners, all the Employee of the Month or successful career plaques earned, and, and, and all the retirement parties, and even the most generous philanthropist who gave, wonderful, gave to wonderful causes will be forgotten. Or they'll be, on a they'll be putting on a shelf of accomplishment, covered in dust, right? I've seen it a thousand times. People who retired from a company would come back to visit. And they were, they were surprised and shocked to see that, that they were old news. And people shrugged their shoulders when they came in. Why? Because, yeah, you did some great things back then. But it doesn't pertain to them. So it was a temporary applause, a, a temporary applause on your behalf. But you see, not with God. The Bible speaks of eternal awards. And the remembrance of God is everlasting. Observe the ways of the Lord, and more importantly, do the things of the Lord that we, that we may know true joy in our time here on earth. Why? Because the Lord, the Lord would be glad to have all doing the work that he establishes here. But, but you want to observe the blueprints of what God said. And most importantly, you must be of God first. If not, then we're just doing things to feel good about ourselves. And, and he'll know it. He'll know it. But most importantly, receiving the Lord is what he wants. Receiving him as your Lord and Savior is what he wants. And that, and that there is the greatest thing that you could do. If I could end on an important note. That what you are is, more, is, is far more important than what you do. Because what you are will affect what you do. And, and second, that, it, that if we don't get the Lord right, if we don't get the Word and the Lord right in our lives, then nothing will be right in our lives. And for those uh, that, that know what I'm talking about can attest to those things. So many people have gotten God wrong, and uh, so many people have gotten the Bible wrong, and we've seen the uh, we've seen the outcome in our in their lives. And I'm not saying that by any means that uh, that being a being a follower of God, or even knowing the the Word of God from front to back, is going to cause um, this life of bliss. That is far from true. And if anybody ever tells you that, get away from them. It's a lie because that does not happen. While we're here on earth, things will happen. There will be struggles. But, 
having being right with God and having things right with God, I could definitely say it makes things a little easier. But there's one more important aspect that I always end on. You can't be right with God and not have Him. That's what He said. <laughs> That's what His Word says. Not me or anybody else. So many people admire, but they, uh, they just don't want to be a part of. And so, you have the opportunity and the ability right now to be a part of that. You know, everybody wants to... I think everybody would like to know they want to go to heaven. Oh, I don't, some people don't believe in it. Well, you're going to find out the hard way then one day, and, you know, as everyone else will, that, that, that one of two eternities does exist. And, and he gives us the choice to make sure that, that hey, it's your choice. You could choose me or reject me. But he wants you. He created you. <laughs> And I say that that he loves every one of us. But how much we love him is also another difference maker. I want to invite you to to make a decision to to say, Lord, I believe in you. I believe in what you did. I believe that you sent your only begotten son to die on the cross, Lord, for the sins of this world. It did happen. This wasn't some fable. There are numerous accounts outside of the Bible of the existence of Christ and his crucifixion even. And that wasn't done. That just wasn't done out of happenstance. It was predicted a long time ago and it happened. If you feel that the Spirit has touched you, and you do believe, and you want to receive, well then, we could do that together right now and you will have assurance that when your time is up, you're going to be with him in eternity. How do I do that? Well, it's simple. You can just say a simple prayer after me. And if you say it in the truth of your heart, he will gladly receive you. Let's pray. Dear God, please forgive me, Lord. Forgive me of all of my sins. Father, I confess to you, Lord, that yes, I am a sinner. But Lord, I ask of you to, to wash me, Lord. And, and to receive me, Lord, when my time comes. As I receive you right now. As my Father. As my Lord and my Savior. Thank you, Lord, for dying for me. And thank you for having me. As Lord, as I now have you as my Father. As I love you, I praise you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well... It's always, we always say, uh, you know, we leave the best for last. <laughs> it's all good. From the beginning, uh, from the beginning to the first few, uh, few verses that we read to, well, to saying goodbye on the end of every message. Uh, I pray that you enjoy everything that you hear. Because, you know, everything about God is enjoyable. And, you know, we want to be able to, uh, to know that experience to enjoy each other. So I invite you that with whatever time that you have left, spend it well with him. Spend it well with one another and your family. Because life is precious. But eternal life is even more precious. May you have received him in truth and may God bless you and your family.